a bra the next day. Oh, like, <laughs> I had to go to Walmart and I'm like, I had a hoodie on over my t-shirt because I had a hoodie, a t-shirt, a pair of underwear, a pair of pants and socks. And it was hot in Walmart, but I didn't want to take my sweatshirt off because I didn't have a bra on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, leave it to me to like my house burns down. I don't even have a bra on. Welcome to the Major League Eventing Podcast, the show for eventing fans by eventing fans. And as usual, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Cowboy Magic, Karen. Cow girl magic Cow this girl time. Magic. This what? time, yes. Say, say it ain't so. It is. They just launched their new cowgirl magic rosewater ultra hydrating cream. Oh. Yes. It's an age-defying moisturizer new to the Cowboy Magic line of products. Adds a cowgirl's touch. It rejuvenates hands, neck, and face with a mildly aromatic silk-infused cream designed just for a cowgirl like you. <laughs> well you know me it's that time of year when hands you know take a beating yeah all the exposed skin takes a beating so sure does absolutely fantastic product i did a little bit of research it is for everybody it is for boys and girls yes it is but especially the cowgirls out there anyway. so fantastic product thank you so much cowboy magic and cowgirl cowgirl magic so uh get on out there and check it out everybody thanks a lot cowboy magic and if you enjoy the show, please support the people that support the show. And Cowboy Magic is super. Equilume, Karen. Equilume. Yeah, so Equilume is the world leader in the research and development of lighting solutions that maximize the horse's health, performance, and overall well-being. The Equilume Stable Lights and Cash Shell Light Mass are game changers for performance horses. By replicating natural sunlight and allowing them to receive the optimum level of biologically effective light, whether they are stabled, at grazing, or traveling to competition, the scientifically developed Equilim lighting products support the horse's body clock, positively influencing mood and behavior while helping to maintain muscle tone, strengthen immunity, and ensure a sleek and shiny coat, Karen. Wow. Do you know who else uses Equilim? Who else, Karen? The USCA Rider of the Year, Liz Halliday-Sharp. I love Liz. So she told us about her experience using the products by saying... We used the Equilum Stable Lights and Cashel Light Mask on De Niro in the run-up to Tryon and during our stay there. I have to say, it's the most outstanding he has ever felt on the last day. I think if a horse is getting good light, resting well, and feeling their best, it's only going to help them perform better and feel better. Absolutely. So learn more, Karen, at Equilum.com. Equilum.com. E-Q-U-I-L-U-M-E.com. Welcome to the team Triple Crown Feed. Oh, yeah. Triple Crown, big fans of Triple Crown Feed. Um, They have tons of of great products out there, Mm -hmm. premium stuff. Um, Karen, what do you got to say over there? So Triple Crown has formulas that are tailored to your horse's unique needs and help support immunity and gut health. Find your local Triple Crown Feed dealer by going to triplecrownfeed.com. TripleCrownFeed.com. That's a little bit of a tongue twister. It TripleCrownFeed.com. They have a great feed locator. They have yes. a great feed com- comparison tool on their website. 
I encourage everyone to get over there, check out Triple Crown Feeds website, check out the different products, check out what makes them so special, and give them a shot, right, Karen? Oh, yeah. Support the people to support the show. Taylor Harris Insurance Services. There for all equestrians, amateur, and the professional. For all types and all breeds. No matter what discipline or level, Taylor Harris is committed to excellence in serving you and protecting the horses you love. Taylor Harris Insurance Services, your worldwide equine insurance specialists. I'm Karen. And I'm Rob. Karen, super excited for today's Major League oh, yeah. Podcast. Today we have uh, a very special guest, Karen. Mm-hmm. Um, she kind of does it all. We'll let her tell you what she does. Uh, <laughs> she's she's already made me laugh because she's just kind of funny. Uh, Jessica Bordner Harris, welcome to welcome. the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Very much appreciate it. Uh, JBH. JBH. I don't know, would you prefer Jessica or just JBH? How to pay, what's the preferred? Uh, um anything but jesse so uh jessica jess jbh i used to answer to bort when i was in in high school they all called me bort for some reason (laughs) when i played sports it was uh bort or the bull they called me the bull because i would hit home runs in softball all the time Uh, not fast not fast but i (laughs) hitting dingers dingers, so uh so, hey, uh, where, where, where are you coming to us from? We can't see you. Where are you coming to us from? The giant metropolis of Thurmond, North Carolina. Oh, the okay. big city. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah. We have a post office. We don't even have a stoplight. Wow. <laughs> Pretty bustling. Yeah. yeah. Sounds it. <laughs> Pretty bustling. Is that near Southern Pines? How far out from Southern Pines are you? Uh, about two and a half hours. Oh, okay. my goodness. Wow. Oh, okay. Okay. We yeah, we're in the middle of nowhere. Wow. <laughs> Literally. Holy yeah. smokes. Even for as far as eventers go, that's the middle of nowhere. Oh, yeah. Like, even people that live here, be like, oh, where do you live? I'm like, Thurman. They're like, uh, where's that? I'm like, exactly. <laughs> exactly my point. Where is that? Oh, yep. <laughs> well, before we get into the normal show, I think it's important that we mention that Normally, I say we're pretty good luck, Karen. Yeah. We're normally pretty good luck, but it just so happened that just a few hours after you decided to do this interview and book with us, you unfortunately uh, lost your home to a, to a fire. Yeah, um, it's definitely your fault. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe, maybe we're good luck after, 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 like after you're on the after show. After the interview, yeah. <laughs> so, um, I mean, could you just give everyone a little update of how you guys are doing and, and you know, the whole thing? Um, We're good. We, uh, I, luckily the fire started while I was doing chores. So it was during the day. And uh, funny enough, uh, I'm always hot and my husband is always cold. And I noticed smoke coming out of the top of, we lived in an old single wide, but it looked like it was coming out of the chimney. And I thought to myself, Jeremiah, it is not even that cold. I can't believe you're starting a fire already, which is sort of funny. Ha ha now, <laughs> but, 
But then he texted me when I was done with chores and said he was at his friend's house. And I'm like, uh, oh, man. Not here, that's not good. And so by that time, when I actually paid attention, there was smoke coming out the seam roof all the way around. So I put my sweatshirt over my face and ran in to get the cat and my beagle because they were the only ones in there. And then I remember my beagle was out in his little field because he runs off. So he has to be in his little fenced in paddock. But the cat was in there. I had to find him. He couldn't see anything. There weren't any flames at that point. But, um, yeah, I called Jeremiah. I'm like, our house is on fire. You need to come home right now. And he started laughing because he thought I was kidding. He's like, what? I'm like, nope, this is not a drill. You need to come home right now. So... By the time our neighbor came, he's a volunteer fire person. The flames started coming out of the the dryer vent. Oh, so no. they think they don't think the dryer caught on fire. They think it was electrical and that the the power of the dryer drew the fire to it. But it actually went all the way down the ceiling, like the whole center of the house where the wiring was for the lights is all was all burnt out. So, yeah, it was, it was, uh, one of those moments where you like, you hear people talk about their houses burning down and how surreal it is and whatever, but actually watching it, like we have a 180 pound great Pyrenees Yeti. And so I knew that he was not going to appreciate all the firefighters and everything. I didn't want him to bite anyone (laughs) in the process. So I put him and my beagle in my truck and we sat in the truck and watched and it was just like just like a mood like it didn't even feel real at that moment it was just like yeah there's i kept texting people like i texted my mom i'm like our house is on fire she's like wait what (laughs) i'm like yeah it's on fire there's fire people here and like what else do you say but luckily we have this old house on our property that was built by Jeremiah's grandparents and, or his grandpa who did not believe in a square or a level (laughs) (laughs) that those are for amateurs. So it's interesting. (laughs) We lived in it when we first got married and I call it the shack. It is built on stacked up cinder blocks, you know, like they, Jeff Fox really talks about cars on blocks in yeah. your yard. Our is on blocks, not a foundation on blocks. <laughs> so it, I mean, it's fine. It's a roof, but there's no like centralized heating or anything like that. We've had to replace the floors because he built it before there was a uh, running water. So he like did not know how to really plan a bathroom or what to do with a dryer. So he like vented the dryer out of the floor. And so all the moisture from the dryer, oh, he, no. yeah, rotted all the floors. When oh. I, when we first, the toilet would like rock on one of the beams under it. And when we actually replaced the floor, the shower, the bathtub was hanging by the shower pipes. There was no floor under it at all. <laughs> oh my God. So yeah, it's, it, it was a mess and we fixed it up for the working students. Like it was livable, but, um, not like you're going to live there long-term forever and ever. So luckily I am blessed with some amazing people. My business manager slash fairy godmother, 
came in and helped me pick out stuff to make the house feel more like a house for us. So that was pretty awesome because I'm not good at that kind of stuff. And every room, as you see behind me, has an orange wall. That was one of the working students because the couch and the chair that were left here by one of the renters, they're in really good condition, but they're like from the 70s and they're orange. And so she painted one wall in every room orange. So we just went with the Austin Powers theme. And it's very, very like retro. Jeremiah says it's not retro because it's, he says it's vintage because it is actually old. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So we're doing it. We're making it work. Wow. Uh, And like any, any event or you just, I mean, first, like, I guess you just don't have a choice, but to get up the next day and then do barn chores and. Yeah. The horses don't care. (laughs) They're like, you're well and the best part was the the pasture closest to the house is my the all the babies that are they'll be yearlings and i'm like well this is good training for you guys because the fire truck is sirens are on (laughs) they were just like what the heck is going on but luckily i was just praying they wouldn't run through the fence for one more thing to make it exciting but they were good at what point, like how, how much time went from that time you saw the smoke and thought, oh, Jeremiah is just running the heat to when you got the, the, the message? Um, it was probably, so my friend Melissa was here helping me and we were kind of just doing it slowly, taking our times talking because we hadn't seen each other in a while. So it, it probably was an hour and a half between when I thought he was in there and when I realized he wasn't. Holy so that of course, I mean, once everybody left and a bunch of people from Jeremiah's church came and they all went in to try to salvage what they could. And because we have very different, uh, comfortable temperatures, we don't sleep in the same room. It sounds terrible, but I like it freezing cold when I sleep and he likes it hot. So he had his own room and his room was not touched. The fire didn't go through his wall. Like if you walk in his room right now, it looks exactly the same. You can go in and use the toilet, like his bathroom, everything's fine. But everything in front of that, the living room, kitchen, my bathroom and my bedroom were completely destroyed pretty much. Wow. Yeah. So he has all of his stuff. And so he felt terrible because I, I had, I had nothing. And I joke now because I'm like, I did CrossFit and my bra was sweaty before I went out to do chores. I took my bra off. Cause I'm like, we live in the middle of nowhere. It doesn't matter. Nobody, I didn't even have a bra the next day. Oh, like, <laughs> I had to go to Walmart and I'm like, I had a hoodie on over my t-shirt cause I had a hoodie, a t-shirt, a pair of underwear, a pair of pants and socks and it was hot in Walmart, but I didn't want to take my sweatshirt off because I didn't have a bra on. <laughs> I'm like, leave it to me to like my house burns down. I don't even have a bra on to wear. But, um, yeah, it's, it was, I, that night, of course I, I was tired and exhausted and upset. And I just started bawling. Cause I'm like, it's my fault. Jeremiah's like, you have to wash your clothes. Like, what were you supposed to do? The dryer. He's like, it wasn't the dryer itself. Anyway, it was the electric, but 
it was just one of those. Then I felt bad because I should have gone in the house when I saw the smoke the first time. But, you know, you just, I don't, what would I have done anyway? Right. It, it, I don't know that they could, the way the fire guys explained it was once it was in the roof, it was really hard to do much to, to stop it because of all the insulation. And they, they had to rip the wall, the outside wall part on my room to get into the, the roof because they got it like the main flames out pretty quickly, but the roof was the kicker because it just did not want to quit. Mm-mm. So, wow. Yeah. Well, wow. Whew. well, God bless you. Thank God nobody was hurt and, and the animals. And- uh- Right now, you guys have a GoFundMe that's that's been kind of put out there, and uh, you're th- there was a you know a pretty good goal. You guys are pretty close to that goal. We're going to be donating. Major League Event yes, is going to donate. We haven't yet done it. We wanted to get you on first and just tell you on the show that we're going to donate. But hopefully, we're going to link that up into the show notes. Um, so you know, anyone that's listening, they might want to lend a hand out there and, and help you. Buy some bras with that money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, good bras are hard to find. And they're expensive, I've realized. I'm like, this is ridiculous. I just need some good bras to ride in. But, well, the, the thing that's probably stuck the most is, bless my husband, he had just bought a Jeep Gladiator. He's never had a new car in his whole life. And we don't share money because then he can't give me crap about the horse stuff. <laughs> So I, you know, yeah, I was at a, (laughs) I was the weekend before teaching and he texted me like, um, I may have just bought a new Jeep gladiator. So I was, I mean, I was happy for him. Well then when the house happened, he's like, well, I'll just see if I can return the Jeep. Maybe they'll take it back. And I'm like, well, we should wait until we get the insurance homeowners insurance to see what they're going to cover. And he's like, well, I dropped the homeowner's insurance a couple of years ago because the trailer wasn't worth anything. And I'm like, but it covers all the stuff in it. I don't, I don't think that we need to, we're going to be addressing that because <laughs> that would have covered my tax shed and everything else. If something would happen, luckily that was not affected, but yeah. So we're trying to gather enough money to at least have a down payment for something decent either another not new single wide or i i'm i would prefer if we get at least to a modular but we'll see what happens yeah, yeah. well we'll like mm-hmm. i said we'll link that all up yes we will and hopefully we get a few more donations coming your way and uh, everyone has been crazy generous i can't even put into words how amazing it is without starting to cry but um just it's crazy. <laughs> like I, I, I couldn't believe my Susan, my fairy godmother is the one that set up the GoFundMe. And one of my other like clients, she set up a PayPal and people have been Venmoing me randomly. And it's just amazing. <laughs> like God is, I know some people don't believe things happen for a reason, but you know, I, I feel like if, if nothing else, God totally showed us that even though you lose something like that, he can step up pretty fast. I mean, people were donating, well, Buckwild Breaches. Uh, I taught the lady that owns Buckwild Breaches. 
in one of my clinics and she stepped up right away and sent me like four or five pairs of breeches and shirts so I could ride. So it's just been pretty amazing. People, I mean, messaging me right away, like, what do you need? I'm like, I don't even, I don't know. (laughs) Like, it's so (laughs) overwhelming. You don't even know what you need until you kind of start. I mean, I knew I needed bras, but beyond that, (laughs) I didn't really know. So, yeah, it's been amazing. People, people are really good at stepping up, even though sometimes it doesn't seem that way, especially in our world right now, but they definitely can do it if they put their minds to it. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, hopefully, like I said, we'll link that up. Yes, we will. So. So now we'll get on to the regular yes, interview because yes. better, better, brighter future. Well, we start with the past. Right? Yeah, we start with the past. <laughs> yeah. All right. So Jess, can you tell us how you got your start in riding and then into eventing? Yes, I can. Um, my dad has twin sisters that rode horses Neither of my parents are horsey. My dad grew up on a farm with lots of brothers and sisters, and they had horses, I guess, but not really. He's like loves animals, but not really. I wouldn't call him a horse person. But uh, my aunts had me on a horse when I was like six months old, you know, carrying me around while they rode. And my mom said ever since then, like, never looked back. So, um, I started like formal lessons when I was around eight, probably. Um, And I did, I rode with a trainer in Spring Grove, Pennsylvania. Her name is Jackie. She was Jackie Summerhill. Then she's Jackie Rutledge now. And she was kind of in the quarter horse Appaloosa breed kind of world. So I did a lot of open shows and, you know, that kind of thing road. I did English Western and my very first horse, we trained him to drive. So I did pleasure driving classes. Um, I actually did not start jumping in my life until I was till until I went to college, which I went to college late. So I was probably 21 or 22 when I started jumping. And doing dressage. I really didn't have much of a background. I knew a little bit about dressage. I knew about jumping, but I just never had a horse that jumped. Um, So I went to Wilson College in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania. Used to be all women. Now it's co-ed, which is boo. Um, I do think having it all women was really cool because me being as awkward as I am, not having boys in class really helped you like not worry about feeling stupid about answering questions or, yeah, I don't think it's totally kind of a girl thing, but you don't want to look dumb in front of the cute boys. So you don't want to, you know, look too smart or anyway. So I do think all women not cool, but, um, they have an equestrian program and, um, uh, I ended up with my bachelor's in equestrian studies, which I, depending on what you want to do in your life with horses, is probably not the best choice because you 
unless you can pay for college on your own, student loans are ridiculous and you don't make that much money in the horse world. But I didn't really have anyone to advise me about working student. Like I didn't even know what a working student was back then. Um, so I actually graduated a semester early. I did extra classes and I graduated. They have given award out when you graduate to the best graduating senior. And I got it for eventing. Um, I thought I was big crap when I graduated because you go to this little school in the middle of Chambersburg and I evented, but um, like I had a thoroughbred off the track. It was a little bit nutty and I brought him along. We sort of did novice. I fell off more than I stayed on, but we did it. And, you know, I got this big award when I graduated, I had my own riding, like I was the only one riding at my level. So I had my own riding class, you know, and we could jump three, six at home, but Abe would lose his mind at horse shows. So, um, I got out into the world and thought I was some kind of something and realized pretty quickly that no, <laughs> not, not some kind of something at all. So, um, I got a job down here in Thurmond at Wits End Eventing. They now breed horses. Um, and I met my now husband on MySpace, which I don't even know if it exists anymore. Yeah, old school. The fun story about it is that his dad is legally blind and his parents are were divorced. So he was on MySpace looking for girls for his dad, for women. Oh. <laughs> for his dad, because he can't see. So Jeremiah was helping him, you know, with the online dating thing. And he saw my profile, like this girl is my around my age and I don't know her because he knows everyone around here because, you know, 10 people live here. So he messaged me and was like, well, who are you? And that started. So when I went out on my own, it was either stay here with him or go back to Pennsylvania. I'm an only child. So mom and dad probably would have preferred that, but here I am on his family's land um, that his grandpa bought after World War II on the money he made selling gum and cigarettes wow. to other soldiers. Wow. He used to have, uh, it was a lot, it was a few hundred acres, I think, but now it's split up between Jeremiah's aunts and uncles and his dad, but we have 20-ish acres of our own. and. Um, while I, the end of my school career is when I got Bug, who is win the war that everybody knows, and he has his own fan club. Um, and I got him as a four-year-old off the track from Charlestown. And we just, he just happened to be the perfect horse, my horse of a lifetime. And we came up through the levels together. And I, um, I'm like, didn't really success event successfully above novice before I got him. So it was pretty cool. By the time I went advanced in 2012, I had only been doing dressage and eventing and jumping for eight years, I think. 
So, yeah. Um, trial by fire for sure. <laughs> Definitely. And then but, you guys were, you guys were, uh, you, you guys were going to go to Kentucky. Uh, but I guess you were injured. Is that, is that correct? Yeah. Uh, we were supposed to go in 2016 and I was at full gallop in January that of that year with him and my young horse Bishop that, uh, Kimmy Ciceri actually rides now. Um, and Bishop is back then, especially he, we call him the squirrel because he just like, he's super quirky, athletic and ridiculously lovely horse, but just super quirky. And he, I ran around the cross country training with him and I had had him tied to the trailer, untacked him. I literally just taken my helmet and my vest off and I was going to take his cross country boots off. And that's the last thing I remember. So apparently he spooked when I went to take the boots off and kicked me in the left shoulder. The force of it broke my collarbone. And then he kicked me in the head and I was out. They, everyone thought I was dead because <laughs> my head was bleeding and, uh, I'm not sure how long I was out. It had to be a while because I was in the parking area Someone had to find me, or I guess someone saw it happen. Then they had to get a hold of someone to get the ambulance off the cross country course to me. But when I woke up, they had me on the stretcher already. And when I woke up, they were like, everybody started clapping because they thought I was dead. Oh my <laughs> but gosh. luckily, like I remembered, like I I remember that I'd literally just gotten a new phone number, a new cell phone number. I could remember that. I could remember Jeremiah's. Like I didn't forget anything except I don't know. I don't remember exactly what happened with him. But um, as soon as they put me on the, or he, he had me on the stretcher, he was adjusting me or something, and I, my collarbone, you know, crackled or whatever, and I said. I think that might be broken. <laughs> and he, yeah, it is. And I just started crying because I'm like, no, I can't go to Rolex. Oh. And everybody's like, don't cry. You don't know that. I'm like, I know bones take eight weeks to heal and it's going to take too long. And that's all I cared about. I was crying about not going to Kentucky. And yeah, I mean... They did a CT. They couldn't believe I didn't even have a skull fracture, no bleed, just concussion and the collarbone. So, um, yeah, it sucked pretty much. Wow. <laughs> it was, it was terrible. Um, I, and I was, was, I don't know, that was five years ago. So 35 ish. And that was the first bone I'd ever broken in my whole life. Wow. These Pennsylvania Dutch bones, they build us pretty tough, oh, yeah. but good hardy. <laughs> yeah. The shoulders did the collarbone in. So um it's actually the only bone I've ever broken. I've had a few concussions since that was like my first concussion too, I think. But was not a fun way to start. Wow. <laughs> oh, goodness. And then shortly thereafter, re retired that horse. and Yeah, um, he went to, 
the plan originally was I was going to do full gallop and then take the boys with me to Wellington and Dan Jocelyn going to ride him in the Avenging Showcase. And I was depressed. And so my friends decided they would take me. So we went and he did that. And, and I had been saying for years that he didn't feel something was wrong. He didn't feel like he did when he was younger. And I just kept being told that I was making excuses for not training hard enough. And it was a mess. I should have just listened to myself. And I did have some vets look at him and nobody really could figure anything out, but he's, that horse is so stoic. Like he he had his, a, a colic surgery when I did my first CIC one star after cross country and we were at plantation and he came off cross country and I just kept saying, well, I got him back to the stall and he had rocked around. We were in like ninth place, I think. And, um, he just wasn't acting right. And he kept stretch like dog stretching and like turning and looking, but he wasn't rolling. He wasn't pawing he wasn't doing anything like he was in major distress his tpr was fine the vet just kept telling me at the show they were like no he's fine i'm like i'm telling you this horse is not fine i know this horse so eventually they they did as much as they could that he could still be fei you know and try to to show jump and he wasn't getting better i'm like we need to do something i don't care about the show like so we ended up taking the new bolton And they took, they came out and got him and took him in so I could go check in. And when I walked into the whatever receiving area, they had him in the stall and he was just like looking around and not nervous as like, he's not, doesn't ever act nervous, but just kind of like, you could tell he was wide eyed and they're like, well, he's not showing any symptoms. His TPR is fine. Everything seems fine. I'm like, well, this is going to sound really stupid, but can I go talk to him because he thinks I've left him here? And they all just looked at me like, yeah, okay, whatever. And so I walked around like bug. And he was like, Whoa, mom, I don't know where I am. And he just like totally relaxed as soon as he knew that I was there. And then he started showing his symptoms. They still didn't think that there was anything majorly wrong. So they sent me home or they sent me to my friends where I was staying and said, we'll call you in a few hours once he settles in more and we'll see. Well, he had a displacement, so they had to do surgery and he came back from that super well. And then exact, almost exactly a year later, he had another colic surgery here at home and same thing, displacement on the other side. And I had to take him to Virginia tech and they did surgery on him. Um, but we figured out that he just wasn't eating and, or he wasn't eating enough hay and drinking enough water to keep his intestine full. And then when he would jump, because it was kind of shriveled up, it would shoot out of place. And then he would come back to the fall and drink a bunch of water. And and then it would expand again and be in the wrong position. So changed his diet a little bit and, knock on wood he's been good and but um anyway that just explains the part that he is super stoic like he just doesn't tell you things and no vets could ever really tell me anything so when I got hurt I decided to take him to a completely new vet who didn't know him 
and try to get them to just go all over him and see what they could find. So I took him to Dr. Carter in Aiken and he went all over him and he found he has an old, basically it's an old fracture of a, of a vertebra in his back. Well, rewind to the year we moved up to advanced. Uh, we did chat Hills. I think it was like May of that year. We'd run to advanced. I think we had done, yeah, we did Southern Pines was our first one. And then we went to the fork and then I was supposed to do chat and I had to go by myself and, um, I walked the course and we went to warm up and his, I had, apparently my studs were too big. And when it was literally like a training level raised log in the warm up, his feet, front feet stuck in the ground and he couldn't get him. Like it was rotate. It should have been rotational. So I landed on the ground, my air vest went off and I was like curled in a ball waiting for him to hit me. And he never hit me. And, um, Rick Wallace was there and he told me that he watched bug in the air as he was flipping, look to see where I was and twisted his body around and landed on his side next to me. Mm. So, and he got up jigging like, we're okay. We're going cross country. Like I was in, I was in shock probably more than anything. I was, I like lost my mind. I was just bawling that I'd broken my horse. And, um, but he seemed, he seemed fine, never had any issues. And we ended up running Virginia, the AI at Virginia, like two weeks later. And then he went to Bromont and did the old, you know, three-star. We did jump outside of the flags over the seven foot brush, which was also very traumatic for me. <laughs> I totally missed my line and bug, you know, they have those cutout brushes and they flagged the part that they cut out. Yeah, we jumped the like seven foot high oh. part. Yeah, I have a picture of it from the Chronicle of the Horse. My face is like, <laughs> it's terrible. But anyway, he went and did all that and ran advanced for what that was 12, four more years, ran around advanced with a broken back that we didn't wow. know about. It was exactly where the back of the saddle would have hit him when he hit the ground. And I, I like, he, he just was, he got stiffer. He just didn't feel like our dressage wasn't as good. And it was always just like, oh, well, he's a stiff horse. You're just making excuses. I'm like, you could go back and watch the videos of him jumping when we went to the fork. Cause I have most of that cross country on video and he was real fluid. He was always a really fluid jumper and he would kick his hind end way up. And he stopped doing that. Like he's always been a freak. Even when he had the broken back, he still jumped huge, but he didn't have, it was more of a like rocket launch jump instead of, you know, that smoothness through his back. Mm -hmm. So we managed it. Dr. Carter injected it. And then that's when I got my PMF machine and I managed it with that. But the back ended up being fine, but he had compensated for four years. So every single time I would take him back, like the plan was to try to keep going. Cause Dr. Carter's like, he's fine. Like now that we've found it, he's fine. But we were just injecting every single time. It was like, well, now we have to do his hips and now we have to do his design. Now we have to do his coffin bones. Now we have to do this. Now. And I'm like, I, I can't do this to this horse because 
he has just proven that he'll go to Kentucky and, and he'll do it. And if he breaks himself, he'll keep going. And I would, if, if that anything happened to him, because I'm trying to chase my dream, if he flipped and died or broke his leg or ruined himself for the rest of his life, like I probably would not have recovered from that mentally and emotionally. He just means too much to me. So I decided to retire him while he's sound and he loves, he loves having a job. So he's teaching kids and he's sounder than he, <laughs> like his back doesn't bother him. He's just, he's happy as a clam and he'll be 20 in May and you would never know at all. I mean, he's wild. <laughs> he's, awesome. he's so cocky. That horse has more self-confidence than <laughs> ever imagined. He's ridiculous. I used to tell him his head was going to get so big. He wouldn't fit in the horse trailer anymore. <laughs> so yeah, but yeah, he's, he's teaching. He's teaching people. Oh no, I lost my headband. Yeah. I saw I saw the headband slide yeah. back as you <laughs> My head must have been growing while I was talking about Bug's head growing. <laughs> oh man. Anyway. Well that's nice that you that's a good story yeah. about, you know, and, and you did the right thing by your horse. I think that's that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. So hopefully you get back to Kentucky or, or the Maryland five star soon. Hopefully. Oh yeah. So Yeah. Well, I I think that I, like when I was doing it with him, I kept trying to find all these horses and, and I knew Bishop was a five-star horse. I knew he was as Kimmy's proving, but I had some issues with Bishop with some it, things that we were overfaced with and kind of lost confidence in each other. And, and I could have brought him back slowly, but I knew that if he was going to go do it, he needed to go do it then because he wasn't getting any younger. And I'm super happy with Kimmy riding him and uh, Mrs. Mars and I own him together. But I think when I retired Bug, it was kind of eye-opening for me because I'm not a Philip Dutton. I'm not a Boyd Martin. I'm not a Kim Severson. I'm not Will Faldry. I am a decent rider. My skill is that I make a very good bond with my horses and I mean, people give me crap about it because all of my horses are mamas. Like they don't care about anyone but me. But, you know, I don't at this point in my life, I, I don't want to chase it anymore. So I just decided whatever I'm going to have horses that make me happy and that I love riding and wherever they want to go is where I go. So if if I ever make it to Kentucky, great. But I've, I've kind of gotten to the point where I love bringing along babies and I love helping people ride better. And I'm, I'm good at my gift is also seeing people's body crookednesses on a horse. Um, so yeah, I mean, I would love to go be a five-star rider someday, but at the same time, I, I think I've, I've realized that the horses mean more to me than anything else, obviously. So it's kind of my deal these days. Sounds like a pretty healthy mindset mm. to me. Oh, yeah. Me. I think so, too. Yeah. I mean, might be the most mentally sound rider we've ever interviewed. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, it's you probably the kick. it's the kick in the head that, that knocked my brain in the right yeah. yeah, maybe that's it. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's it. <laughs> the concussions are, are, are rearing their head. 
So uh, you were talking about the things that you like to do. So tell us about the business. And 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 I know that you're you do the 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 the, the, the position clinics. Position clinics. Yes. So let's start with that because I'm very interested in that stuff. And then take us through that, and then into the rest of you know your your repertoire of 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 business things because you do a lot of cool stuff. Yeah. Um. The one thing that I think I have that a lot of upper level riders probably don't get in their careers. The time in college gave me a lot of the book background of teaching. And um, my professor in college, Annette Gavin, was she's a British Horse Society person. And um, she also owns the tech company that sponsors me. But she is very big in biomechanics and it's fascinating listening to her. I always loved like taking it all in and trying to figure it all out as a boring Rob to yawn to death. Jeez. Sorry. I'm just, it's I'm bedtime. and awkward at the same time. Um, anyway, so I, I think that it's, it's a talent, not, I don't know if it's a talent, but it's, it's my gift that I can see people's like when they're sitting wrong and when they're crooked, when their hips are out of line. And at the end of the day, riding is science. It's physics. Like if you're not sitting in the right place, then you're making it hard for the horse to do its job. And it's super cool when I go to these clinics and show people just how easy, easy, quote unquote, riding is when you just sit in the right spot, like horses go on the bit on their own and they bend into the connection on their own and their, their movement changes. And so many things that people think are horse problems or training problems at the end of the day, it's just that the people are crooked and you have to put your body in the right position to get the horse to perform correctly. And yeah, I mean, I've had a lot, everyone that rides with me, I think is kind of like, they all, a lot of people have told me like, Oh, we're going to have you come and do the clinic. And then we're going to buy our own posture bands, which are these resistance bands that I use to put on you to help you find the correct positioning. The thing about the bands is that they're resistance bands. So they don't really tell you what you're feeling. Like you can feel like, Oh, I'm having a hard time pushing my left heel down. But the reason why you can't push your left heel down is because your left hip is back and locked. So it's impossible for you to step into your left heel. So if you don't know to fix your hip, you're just going to spend the whole entire time trying to push your heel down, which is physically impossible to maintain without falling off the side. So, um, a lot of people have been like, Oh, we're going to have you come to the clinic and then we're going to buy our own bands and just do it ourselves. I'm like, okay. And most of those people end up saying, okay, we need you to just keep coming back because you like, we can't do this on our own. <laughs> we need you to, to see it and tell us what to do. So that's been cool. And it's also been really cool to help people see the issues they're having with their horses are not issues with the horse as soon as they fix it the horse is like oh praise the lord you are where you need to be at my job now you know horses that get behind the leg 
so many people think their horses are lazy. And I, at the end of the day, all horses tell you when you're wrong. It's how they tell you, you know, some are stoic like bug and you have to look for these little tiny hints that you're doing wrong. Some are complete drama queens, like my, my homebred Twiggy that I love so much, but she will, she screams at you if you're a little bit wrong. Um, the horses that tend to get behind the leg are horses that sort of, they just sort of shut down mentally, I think. And they just sort of like, okay, well, I can't really, you're making it hard to go forward. So I'm just not gonna, um, and then horses, I've had people that come to clinics with horses that act out and they're rearing and bucking and kicking out. And it's because they're the drama queens. And as soon as I fix the person's position, the horse is fine. So I'm not saying that that's always the case, but in my experience, it, a lot, I'm going to say 95% of the riders and horses I've seen, it's either tack, ill-fitting tack, or it's the rider positioning and it may not even be a huge change, but just a little bit of a change in your hips. If you're just a little bit crooked, you make it hard for the horse to put their body where they need to put it to balance. So if you've ever carried anyone on your shoulders, you'll know what I'm talking about because if they shift just a little bit, your whole body changes. Right. So granted the horses have four legs, but they still have to change their body weight to counterbalance you. Karen, get on my so. shoulders. We're, <laughs> All right. We're doing it right yeah. here. I'll give you. <laughs> but yeah, that makes sense though. That is, that yeah. does make sense. That's very yeah. interesting. So I see the bands and I see that it looks like you're pretty busy uh, with those clinics. So that's, do you still have time to take on more clinics for anyone else that's interested in that type of. Yeah. Right now. Uh, between shows and clinics, I'm booked through, I think through May and, and I'm starting to take reservations for, for June and on, but, um, yeah, it's caught on pretty fast. And then people want, they're like, well, we want you to come every four weeks. I'm like, uh, <laughs> well, I'm booked through May. So let's try the next, you know, let's try June. So yeah, it's, it's been awesome. And I keep acquiring more things to use. I have Franklin balls with you sit on and they basically stretch your hip flexors out and make you sit correctly on the horse. Excuse me. And you warm up with them. And then when you take them out, you sit deeper and can feel your seat better. And then I just, my new torture tool is the EquiCube, which I have not gotten to use at a clinic yet. So this weekend, hopefully I'll bust that out, but it's a, uh, it weighs like four point something pounds and it's a square and it has handles on each side of it and you hold it with the reins. And so it makes you want to sit up and use your core because if you lean forward with four pounds, you're going to fall over mm. and it helps to keep your connection your rain connection more consistent. So I keep things a yep. lot to hold like out like that. Like, yeah. Yep. So I'm kind of excited to see how people <clears throat> fare with that. <laughs> Cause like, no, I certainly don't tell most people. I don't think I, 
hey, please lean forward more. So that's not, that's not a commonality. Usually uh, the fetal position is what we deal with. Um, so I'm, I'm excited about the EquiCube. I think that'll be fun too. That's I'm going to, I got balls and bands and cubes and just get people to ride better. <laughs> is this mostly, I guess it's helping dressage, jumping everything, or is it primarily like a flat lesson? It's, it's flat lesson because I feel like putting giant slingshots on you while you jump is probably not safe yeah. or, you know, if you fly off, it just doesn't sound. Well, that's the consequence really of you. If you really mess up, jumping, yeah. <laughs> you're going to pay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I teach the positioning in like my normal students are used to me yelling at them about, you know, you're landing harder in this hip or whatever, but the clinics tend to just be dressage. And that's most people, once they do it, you know, they might be like, Oh, I really wanted to jump. And then once they do it, they're like, Oh yeah, this is plenty. (laughs) (laughs) This is enough. I make them sweat. So it's cool. That's good. That's good. So whatever else you got, you, you got a breeding program going on too now. Yep. Um, I actually used to breed. I used to stand a, a Hanoverian stallion that I invented through prelim. And then when I didn't have him anymore, I kind of got out of it. But bringing Twiggy along has been, uh, it's had a lot of downs. <laughs> I think I hit, I tell people this all the time in all the years that I had bug, I could probably count on at least my fingers and toes, the times I've fallen off of him and I've had him for 16 years and I have definitely fallen off Twiggy way more than that. I need, I need extra appendages. Um, cause she is just where he's stoic. She is, she's tough about like injuries, but she is very adamant that you do it right. Um, but it's also been super rewarding and really cool to bring them up, bring her up through the levels. And I have, I had four sisters all by the same stallion. Um, I wanted a black colt. My stallion was black and I got three plain bay mares and one red mare. So <laughs> no black colt for me, but that's okay. Um, yeah, and one of the mares is eventing in Aiken with her junior rider and they're kicking butt. They were, I think third in the nation last year or the year before for novice uh young rider novice and then she moved up to training and she's been in the top three i think all but maybe one event that she's done so duet is doing really well and then the other two besides twiggy that i own i lease to two of my people so um i have a hard time letting them go since i don't have their dad anymore um so they're around, but I don't have to pay their bills and people are enjoying them. So that works. <laughs> yeah. I just saw but, a video of you long line and one, one of the horses, you had some videos of you long line and one beautiful horse. Not too That's ago. Twiggy. Um, the, but that wasn't me. That's my very, very good friend in uh, Wrightsville, Pennsylvania. She has autumn charm sport horses, Jennifer Hoffman. She is freaking amazing with long lines. She's someone else that has recently people have discovered and she is constantly booked with clinics for long lining because people think that they know how to long line. Like I can quote unquote long line 
ground drive a horse around and teach it how to steer. But what she does is, is Swedish long lining. She trained under uh, JJ Tate's husband, Richard Mongren. And it's like classical dressage in the lines. And it basically magnifies your training issues. If, if you're not getting the horse completely straight, she can tell. And she is so good at what she does that when you ride him the next day, you're like, holy crap, this is like a totally different horse. But yeah, that that's part of my uh, plan for Twiggy. She didn't come out super strong behind. She has this big, beautiful front end and her hind end was not, you know, like it was hard going from Bug to her because Bug has always just been naturally athletic. He always jumped you out of the tack. Um, Twiggy, not so much. I, for a while was like, maybe you should just do dressage. <laughs> she would hang her legs and just not, she wasn't the bravest. And then all of a sudden, as she got stronger and more confident in her hind end, then she got braver about doing things. And now she's, she's a beast, but, um, yeah, the long lining has been really good for her because she, she has always been a bit weaker on her right hind and the long lining keeps the horses so straight that it helps them load both legs correctly and evenly. So it's sort of like my clinics, except in the long lines yeah, <laughs> she's doing for the horse what i do for the rider yeah, basically yeah i think that's yeah that sounds pretty cool to me yeah that, sounds that is neat awesome. yeah that sounds awesome uh is that is that is that uh, now is that basically the the gist of your business there and do you coach people too or or uh, is it mostly or like or is it mostly the 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 position type of coaching um i i have clients here that i coach in eventing um COVID year was a bit rough on me because I don't live close to anyone, <laughs> as you can imagine, in Thurmond. So I drive at least an hour or more to teach. So uh, last year kind of killed me a bit. So I have a few students, the girl that leases Bug and the other mare that's here that I bred, Elsie. Um and a few students here and there, but now it, I used to have tons of students and tons of consignment horses and training horses, but I also had working students. When you don't have working students, it's really hard to do everything yourself and ride all the, you know, I used to ride 10 or 12 horses a day, but I had girls doing the chores and tacking the horses for me. And now, you know, I have 12 horses here. I had over 20 at one point and doing it all yourself and then trying to ride and, and drive an hour or more to teach it, it got old. So, um, last year when COVID happened, uh, actually Jennifer Hoffman is the one that suggested, she's like, you're so good at seeing that stuff. You should start, you know, trying to do position clinics and see what you can do with it. So, um, just took off and hopefully it will stay that way. Um, I love doing it and it's, it works well with the fact that I'm, I'm really only competing Twiggy and you know, the breeding business right now, the babies are my oldest ones are yearlings. So I won't have to worry about 
starting them for a while. And hopefully I have a working student coming back. She was a working student for me before and she's done college. So Phelan comes back in April and she's really good with young horses. So I feel like she could be an awesome crash test dummy (laughs) for when they get started. And she's actually riding one of Twiggy's sisters too. She's leasing her. So I think uh, we work really well together and the clinics will be easier having her around because as you can imagine, living in the middle of nowhere, finding people to feed for you is rough. Um, And my husband, though he is good with horses, does not love having to do the chores for me. (laughs) Can't really blame him, but um, yeah. So I've just, I've had to definitely learn to shift my business to what works for what I can do because, you know, I used to try to do what everyone else does because that's what, that's what the horse business is in my mind. That's what I needed to do. But when you live in the middle of nowhere and you know, your, your husband's never going to leave here, (laughs) you have to learn to adapt and, you know, working students don't necessarily want to come to the middle of nowhere. So I've just learned to change things around a little bit. And I have to say, I I love it. Like I, I love and will always cherish the times that I had with bug because he took me places. I would never have imagined I could go. I'm going to cry, but, um, this, this life is good. Like I really love teaching people and helping them like just seeing their faces when they realize that they like putting the horse on the bit is not hard if you're sitting correctly. And it's just cool. Like I love helping people. I love the fact that helping people is helping the horses, you know, they're misunderstood sometimes. And, um, yeah, it's just fun. And the babies are the best thing ever. When you're stressed out, you just go out in the field and they all, all of my babies are like dogs because that's how all of my horses are. And they all run up to you and they want you to scratch them and love on them. And, it's makes you feel special, <laughs> even though it's probably just because you feed them. I like to imagine that they really love me. <laughs> so, yeah, it sounds it's like, good. It sounds like they, I'm sure they do. Yeah, they do. Yeah. they do. <laughs> All right. So, you know, the show, we are going to have some yep. fun and play quick fire questions. Quick fire questions. <laughs> and, oh boy. And this quick fire questions is brought to you by Taylor Harris Insurance Services. So you know the rules, five questions and you get graded at the end. Oh boy. <laughs> All right. Favorite rider growing up? Uh, That was probably... Uh... Probably Margie Goldstein. Oh, wow. That's a good one. I think that's our first Margie Goldstein. We used to go to PA, you know, PA National Horse Show. And I remember her being there and she was just the coolest little tiny woman on big horses, jumping big things. Yeah. She was my favorite, I think. Awful strong star. Yes. All right. Do you have any good luck rituals or superstitions before you go out cross country? Oh, I pray a lot. I pray a lot. <laughs> Please, Lord, do not let me die on the course. Uh, there's a lot of praying. Yeah. And I do now have these socks that 
are my favorite. I like to wear compression socks because they look like boot socks, but they make your legs not hurt when you're standing all day long. And I found this pair of socks on, I think, Amazon, and they have unicorns on them and they say girl power. And I had, I had bought like three pairs of them and then I lost them in the fire. And so I went back on Amazon, like, please pray, please let you still make them. And they do. So I have two new pairs of my socks. Doesn't have to be the same pair. I just usually wear them because girl power. There you go. I like it. I like it. <laughs> I like the unicorns. That's, that's cute. That's cute. <laughs> All right. Favorite event to compete at? Oh, that's hard. Um, there are so many that I love. I would probably say that my favorite venue that I still go to is Carolina Horse Park for sure. Um, not just because it's close, but they just run their shows so well. They are on top of it. The facility is always immaculate. The, the courses are always great. Um, we have, they have that whole war horse series that is great for young horses and my students because you get to school the cross country the day before and then do the show the next day, which feels kind of like cheating, but for the young horses and the timid students, there's nothing better than knowing like them knowing they've done it and they can go out and do it again. Um, but probably in my days with bug, my favorite place was Bromont. It was, it's just beautiful. Sure and is. Bug loved the water there. We used to joke that we needed to like bottle it and take it home. <laughs> he would just suck bucket after bucket after bucket down of that lovely Canadian mountain water. <laughs> yeah. How about that? Yeah. yeah. Oh, this is good. I like nice. me. Oh, too. Yeah. Under new ownership. Yes. Yeah. Right. Under new ownership. Oh. Did you know that? Cool. No, I did not. Oh, it's, yeah. it's coming back bigger and better than ever. That's awesome. Yeah, sure that's awesome. Okay, next question. If eventing wasn't an option, what other discipline would you want to try? Ooh. Uh, I think it would depend on the horse because dressage is really fun if you're on a really cool horse that's good at it. But jumping is also really fun if you're on a cool horse that's good at it that maybe isn't as good on dressage. Um, but probably, I probably would say show jumping because of the, there's still a little adrenaline yeah. left in that. <laughs> good answer. Good answer. answer. All right, last question. If you could ride any horse, past, present, or fiction, who would it be? That is the roughest question. I was hoping I wasn't going to get that one. There's too many good ones. Um, I think I would say Winston Adante, assuming that he didn't buck me off like he did all of the rooms when they rode him. I know Kim, when I rode with Kim, she would tell stories about how he always bucked everybody else off. But assuming that he liked me like he did Kim, I would love to ride that horse. Yeah. I mean, how can you beat that? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's a good doubt. one. Well, listen, that is Karen, a good one. A plus plus. A plus plus. <laughs> Look at <Nice>. you. 
You won. <laughs> you won. I feel special. <laughs> no one has ever gotten an A plus plus on this show. I know. Well, no. Mm-mm. No. <laughs> uh, all right. A plus plus plus. <laughs> there we go. Now, if we just raise the bar, yeah, we just raise the bar. <laughs> Jessica's a listener, so she knows what's I, up. So I she know, had the correct answer. Uh, I just listened to the one with Will and Bobby on my way to my lesson with Will. Yeah, yesterday, yesterday. <laughs> yep. And I and I, uh, my student that Lisa's bug went with me, and I, I'm like, have you ever listened to Major League Eventing? She's 16. She's like, no. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, how does the kid not know the podcasts? Because normally I'm the old fogey who has no idea. Like, I just gave in and downloaded TikTok because they kept telling me that I needed to. <laughs> and ha- so now hopefully Riley will. Riley, if you're listening, you better start listening regularly. Yeah, yeah absolutely. A lot from this, listening to all these amazing people. Well, well thank you. Well, appreciate that. And thank yes, you for listening. And, yes. And hopefully, uh, hopefully enjoyed that Will interview and Will and Bobby. Those guys are kind of fun together. So, yes, they're, they're a trip. I was <laughs> hoping they would get out through it a little bit more, but they were, they were both on good behavior. So, yeah, they were kind of mild. I was, I was hoping for some more excitement, but there really was a lot. Well, I think they're representing Carolina. So yeah, they wanted they, to keep yeah. the company line. <laughs> sure. There's a lot of pressure. Yeah. <laughs> <I get it. laughs> so excellent job on excellent. those questions. Yes, excellent, excellent. yes. So do you have any advice for a young rider or an amateur trying to make it in this sport? Oh, um, I think, I think the big thing is that if you want it hard enough, and I know people have said this a bunch of times as advice, but you don't have to have a million dollars to do it. It, it is tougher when you don't have a ton of money backing you, but I do think it makes you better in the long run because you learn to work for it. And in this sport, you have to be willing to, you know, work hard and put in the time because nobody, nobody's going to come and you know, do it for you. You have to be able to ride the horse to event. It's not like some of the other sports where your trainer can ride the horse five days a week and you show up at the show and, and show and be successful. That's just not really a thing in eventing. So get used to working hard and, and don't be afraid. Maybe take on a horse that isn't necessarily a breed you might imagine, or, you know, there's so many cool things about eventing that you can do outside the box and still be successful. I think it's probably because I mean, I don't, I sure as crap don't come from money and I work my tail off to do it. And I might've taken on some horses that, you know, may not have been, they didn't work for other people, but I just took my time and, and put, put the hours in the saddle. So yeah. Work hard and don't be, uh, don't be uh, held back by your thought process about the money behind everything. Amen. I love it. Yeah, great advice. Excellent advice. Well, I mean, yeah. your 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 number one horse was off the track thoroughbred. I mean, do you remember what you paid for Bug? <laughs> yes, thirty five hundred dollars. Wow. It's the most money I've spent in my well. 
I may have paid more. I've paid more than that a few times since then, but, uh, yeah. And the funny, funny story, uh, about bug, which has been published some, a few times, I think, but when I went to get him from Charlestown, you know, I'm like 20 and I've never spent this much money in my life. However old I was 23. And so I had like shipping boots and a helmet and a tail wrap and like everything you could think of. And so I was in his stall, like putting all of his gear on and this big, <laughs> this big fat guy trainer walks by and he looks in there and he's like, well, you sure do have a lot of armor for this horse. <laughs> like, well, you know, I got to, you know, I'm trying to tell him like, I've never spent this much money on a horse. And I don't want him to hurt himself in the trailer. And he's not even really paying attention to me. So we get him all, you know, suited up and we're walking between outside to the trailer and it's like dusk. So you can like kind of see, but, uh, we hear somebody yell and we turn around and the big fat guy comes running out of the barn and he goes, win the war, buddy, win the war. And so that's why his name is win the war. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. His real name is Little Jitterbug, and that's why we call him Bug. And I was going to show him as that, but then when that guy came out and yelled that, my best friend was like, you have to show him as that. Uh, that is the best name ever. Do you so, have any idea what he was talking about when he was talking about winning the Because I had armor, man. Oh, <laughs> armor. Oh, okay. I'm a little yep. slow. I'm a little slow. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah, he had all his armor on. Yeah. Oh, that's a great yep, story. So, and that fits him once I got him going and knew how cocky he was and how he attacks everything in life. But it was just funny because he was like, I'm like, I wonder if that man knows how much he <laughs> affected <laughs> Bug's life. The armor. That's oh, so funny. That's so yeah. funny. That is funny. Yep. That's awesome. That is awesome. Great story. Thanks for sharing that part. And the horses that you're breeding, those are warm bloods. You're not breeding uh, thoroughbreds. You're breeding warm blood horses. Is is that all? Mm, Yeah, mostly crosses, thoroughbred, warm blood cross. Um, That just seems to be what is the most saleable. I don't just breed for eventing because, you know, eventers in general don't tend to buy baby horses. They want them at least two or three or, you know, closer to doing things. So I breed, uh, I have a five, six mares. I actually lost two mares last year, which was terrible. Um, so I try to like, I plan with each mare each year, what discipline I'm kind of shooting for. So I have a few, I have one all warm blood mare that, um, I tend to breed her to dressage stallions because that's what her lines sort of lend themselves to. And then the thoroughbred mares, I kind of go either way, either dressage hunters or eventing. Um, just depends on which, which one I want to (laughs) keep as to whom I breed to. Um, I'm limited. I have the rules have been laid down. I'm only allowed to keep fillies because you can put them back into the breeding program eventually. So, um, yeah, I'm always wishing for girl. I'm like the only person in the world that hopes for chestnut fillies, but, um, yeah, they're, they're mostly 
mostly thoroughbred warm blood cross in general. Gotcha. Perfect. 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 Mm-hmm. So Jess, as we wind things down, can you tell us who you have behind you, your sponsors and supporters? Sure. Um, she's not really like a, a business, but I have to mention Susan Massaro because she's my fairy godmother. I actually have a logo that has a unicorn with a wand on it that says powered by the fairy godmother. But, um, she is, she's just been amazing in my life. Um, and as far as business sponsorships, um, HCS USA is the tech company that sponsors me. It used to be Hasselo USA, but um, Annette Gavin, that was my professor in college, she owns it. And they carry, it's all Society of Master Saddlers companies. So they carry like Albion, uh, Hasselo is a company, Fairfax. Um, there's a whole list of saddle companies that they carry. And um, they're amazing fitters. And she won't carry anything that doesn't have science backing it. Like she's big on She's the biomechanics lady. So they have a appliance machine where they can put a pad, an electrical pad under your saddle that has sensors in it. And it, it is, a, it sends signals to the computer that tells where the pressure points are under the saddle. Um, and just all kinds of cool science stuff. I mean, she is on it. So um, if she carries it, it's been tested you know, for, for how it sits on the horse and how it fits. So I'm kind of a tack Nazi as far as saddle fit goes. Cause she was my professor in college. She's always, you know, she loves to teach saddle fit and, um, it, there's a lot more to it than people realize <laughs> for sure. Um, and, uh, a bonnet upon it is my bonnet sponsor. She's actually one of my students. Yeah. Allie Steck is her name and she lives in uh, Harrisburg, PA. And she makes these amazing bonnets and they're super well-priced compared to a lot of the other custom bonnets, but she can make anything and everything. So she even made Twiggy uh, because I like Maleficent. (laughs) She made Twiggy a black bonnet with light blue uh, trim because light blue is one of my colors and then it had these like spikes on it with that had rhinestones at the top and they had spikes all the way around so it looked like Maleficent's like horn crown oh, thing neat. yeah it was really awesome um so she's she's pretty cool she makes a lot of different bonnet options and um Kins Customs is also a Pennsylvania company small business. She does all kinds of embroidery stuff and, um, she does all my logo gear and saddle pads. She makes custom saddle pads, which are freaking awesome. I have game of Thrones pads and I have Harry Potter pads. And cause I'm really a small child in an old person's body. So I, I love, like, I think we take ourselves too seriously in general. So I like to at least have fun pads to school in. Um, so she's awesome. Um, and I think that's 
probably majority. I used to have a lot more sponsors, but I just don't uh, do anything super exciting anymore. So people don't care as much about me. It's fine. I get it. <laughs> it's funny that you um, say that you like like the Potter and all that stuff because I always thought Wilson College looked like like a, a girls like Harry Potter school. Like it's like got the it does old architecture. Yeah, and stuff. all the buildings are from like seventeen and eighteen hundreds. Like castle that place. Yes, and there are a lot of ghosts. Really? Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, we got. Yeah, we're ghosties. There's like an entire book published about the ghosts at Wilson College. They're they're the um, freshman dorms, I don't know if it's still this way now, but when I went there, the freshman dorms were above the cafeteria. And um, when we lived there, Tad is the ghost that lives there. And he he's a little kid that his mom worked in the kitchens and he used to play in the dumbwaiter. And he had an accident, apparently. Mm. So he comes in your room and this happened in my room. He will come in your room and even during the day, if you leave your door open, he'll come in there. And if you have stuffed animals or toys, he plays with them. If you have posters and stuff on the wall, he ripped my poster off the wall one day. It wasn't like it just, you know, fell off. Like the tape just gave in. It was like forcefully just ripped off the wall. No. Oh, I know. I, I got chills here. And <laughs> yeah. And uh, the one one of the girls had a Teletubby stuffed animal, which why one would want those, I don't know. But she had creepy one. on the road. <laughs> yeah. And it was one that like talked mm. and it would just randomly go off on its own and start talking with nobody near it, which was, I mean, I, I didn't like Teletubbies before. And I certainly don't like them after that. So yeah, there's a lot of ghost stories at Wilson. Uh, there's a lot. Well, you're from York, right? So York is about an hour from us. And then we love going to Gettysburg. And then we're like, little fun fact, we're like nerdy ghost hunters. Yeah, we go ghost hunting every time we go. (laughs) Well, sorry, I have all these random stories. But funny story, when I moved down here and I was with Jeremiah. So, of course, you grow up in York, you go to Gettysburg all the time for school, like, field trip every single year to Gettysburg or another. So uh, I was missing home. I'm an only child. And so I was driving through Elkin and it said, has this sign that says historic downtown Elkin and Elkin is the town that's about 20 minutes from us. So that's where we go for everything. Um, and so I'm like, Oh, I'm going to go to historic downtown Elkin. It'll be like Gettysburg old buildings. You know, it'll make me feel like home. I get down there. And it looks like it's from the 1970s. And so I'm just all upset. So I'm like, this is not historic. (laughs) So I was complaining to Jeremiah about it. And he just, you have to know my husband, but he's freaking hilarious. He just looks at me all serious. He's like, well, we don't have Civil War era buildings because you guys burned them all down. And I'm like, oh, yeah. (laughs) Oops. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh. We're yes. subject in the south. <laughs> we're, 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 we're big. Uh, man, as soon as you said ghosts, we're we're in. Mm-hmm. We're in. Yeah. So awesome. Well, hey, as we wind things down, how do people follow along? How do the you know, the the websites, social medias, anything like that? Um, I 
most people just friend me on Facebook. I'm probably close to the limit most of the time. Um, but I do have uh, JBH eventing and sport horses is my Facebook business page. Um, JBH eventing on Instagram. And um, my website is actually rockystartstables.com because that's a, that's technically the farm name. And I think I might have forgotten to pay the GoDaddy thing for JBH eventing that sent you there. <laughs> so I think you have to put Rocky Start Stables in to get there. But yeah, right. that's pretty much it. So we'll link all that up. Yes, we so will. That people can, if they want to get in on the the the. The the, the the position clinics and and you mm-hmm. know, maybe get on those baby horses you know you never know never and know then we'll yeah. also link up the GoFundMe so hopefully they're actually can... gonna have a um an online auction I think for us they're doing a the clinic the fundraiser clinic that they set up is already full but they're doing an online auction too that's gonna have a whole bunch of stuff uh I'll try to get the link and send it to you because that okay. might on yeah. yeah if we get yeah. that in time we'll definitely link that up so well karen was this fantastic this is great so yeah. thank you so much nice for, for meet keep, you yeah it was super to keep me yeah. thank you for for keeping this uh interview i know it's tough times and a lot of people don't like to talk about the tough times that they have and all that but we really appreciate it and mm-hmm. we don't want people also thinking that oh we're like oh let's get jess going like it was actually planned and <laughs> Yeah, we were supposed to do this before the fire. This was not a pity interview. Uh, I'll 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 step up to the plate for you there. Vouching, um, vouching for you. It was already on the books. Well, um, you know, we don't want to be like I, uh, 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 you know, like opportunistic. Yeah, you know, no. So we definitely yeah. wanted you on for your 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 business and your, you know, as a, as a normal guest. So this, yeah, like you say, it wasn't like, no, that. I appreciate it very much. And, uh, I, I was going to say something intelligent, but it just left. So that tells you what happened there. I don't remember what it was, I guess. Um, but I do appreciate you guys having me, even though my house burned down or in spite of, um, and yeah, recognizing the position clinics has been, I'm very thankful for that and that you guys wanted to talk to me, even though I'm not going advanced right now. <laughs> well, it's not always about who's yeah. what, what, what you're doing. It's the impact on the sport. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And no, I know that you guys are that way. I'm just, I'm very sarcastic. I can't help it. <laughs> uh, I started CrossFit last fall so that I could get back into fighting fit shape. And they, they think I'm hilarious because well, the South is not necessarily abounding with sarcastic people in in the first place. And, and I don't, I'm not mean, but I don't really mince words. You know, it's just kind of the Northern thing, I guess. The Yankees, we just say whatever, but anyway, yeah, I appreciate you guys very much. And I love your show and uh, keep doing what you're doing because we all, we all love it. I know I do. I know Will does because he gets to be on all the time. <laughs> Will's our guy. He's a good guy. He's a I love him. A three-time guest. Speaking of ghosts, he, yeah. he posted a video of something swinging in his house and no one else was there and he has no idea how oh, yeah. it was even yeah. swinging. Creepy. Yeah. Creepy. Creepy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. We, yeah. Have, we have a, a, you guys like ghosts, look up Facebook 
Carol, mm, Central Carolina Paranormal. Uh, we live really close to R.J. Reynolds' estate, the guy, the cigarette guy, you know. Uh, he had thousands of acres that he had its own town and its own whatever. But there's uh, a lot of places with ghosts here, and those two people have been going to the cemeteries and all these old places. And they have this machine on their computer that can tell, it like picks up what the ghost is saying. It's creepy. Mm. It's really creepy. You need to go watch it if you like ghosts. Yeah, we gotta check it out. It's gotta get good ghost stories. They gotta get up with this. Yep, yep. All righty. Well, thank you so much, Jessica. It's been fantastic. And best of luck with everything. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Please like Major League Eventing on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And join our community, Major League Eventers, on Facebook. Cheers!